Welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm your first mate, Gavin. Oh, that was that was pretty that was pretty good. It sounds like a specific actor. Was there a certain individual you were trying to impersonate just now? No, I was just trying my best not to dip into an Australian accent. It was close. It was borderline <laughs> it was close. close. It was borderline. Pirate pirates are the pirate accent or the pirate caricature accent is adjacent to the Australian caricature accent. This is true. This is true. And uh, speaking of pirates, as you know, I, this morning, have been re-watching, for the first time finally, the, the original Project A, like remastered, beautiful, with the classic English mm. dub. And it is like and a whole different movie. I am loving it. It's fantastic. Yep. Really enjoying it. Uh and I should have enjoyed it the first time around, really, or the multiple times I've watched it over the years. But really, that first, we've talked about this, Miramax cut of it is just so bad. And the dubbing is so bad. And the music, everything. And it just ruins even the stellar action sequences because you're so distracted by all these other elements. And even just kind of seeing this remastered version of it, it looks the best I've ever seen it. Because there's actually a lot of bright colors in the film. And I think almost yeah. like in... Uh, the copies I've had over the years, it's kind of like it's a little blown out in some, if that makes sense, you know, and it's not as crisp, uh, but I'm highly enjoying it. Uh, I have, I'm like right at the finale right now, but obviously I took a break to record with you. So how are you today? Good, sir. Uh, I, I'm doing, I'm doing quite well. I uh, was really happy to see your text flowing in this morning about uh, Project Day, and I'm, I'm really happy to, to hear you getting the experience that that I had. Excellent. Uh, it, it's such, it's such a, it's such a fine film. It's, it's, it, and it, it's, it's like a fine wine. It just gets better with age. And technically that's it, true for me because I hated it when I was younger. And I, I, and I don't blame you because I saw that version and I had to, I had to turn it off. It just felt like the life had been sucked out. Yeah. Of, out of and you're referring the to the Miramax, like a late nineties yes. us release of it, which was, was just terrible. But anywho, uh, yeah, so a uh, busy day for you per usual. Saturdays are a pretty day, busy day at work, and we should all be very thankful you make the time uh, to record. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, let's see here. Anything new on your end? Uh, anything new martial arts-wise? Well, as as we know, our uh, one of our listeners, uh, Justin Weir, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, let us know about a special film festival taking place down in Brisbane. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's a little far for us. We we did try to Google map it. We're like, how long is the drive going to be? Google Maps used to let you do that. And it would be funny. It'd like <laughs> tell you to jump on a jet ski or something for part of it. And now it just refuses to do it. I'm like, where's the fun in that Google Maps? Because I wanted to do it by car and see how long it, uh, it would give us. But it just won't even give you that option. So, yeah, long story short, we unfortunately will not be able to make the Joyce Mina Cadenzi awesome epic like quadruple screening or whatever it is. But... Yeah. I hope that everybody in that area, Brisbane, right, is where it is? Brisbane, yes. Yes, I hope everyone there will make the effort to go see it, just like we always try to go hit up the Epic Nights at the New Beverly. Uh, because yeah, it's a, it's a special experience and seeing these films on the big screen as they were meant to be. And a lot of times for the ones that haven't been remastered and re-released, which we are getting a ton of those now, so we're getting super spoiled. Sometimes we've never seen good version of these good versions of these films. So when you go to watch them in theaters, it's if it's an original 35 millimeter print, even if it hasn't been uh, upheld at the highest standard, it's still sometimes a lot better than like the crappy pan and scan versions we've seen in the uh, past. Absolutely. Particularly since one of the films they're screening is Eastern Condors. So this is mm -hmm. the Australian Cinematheque uh, and it's running October 28th through November 6th. So if you're in that area, I would definitely... Uh, Definitely go to check out some of these films. And the highlight, of course, for me would be Eastern Condors. Yeah, not to show off, but I've seen Eastern Condors on the big screen. Now, you went and saw it at the New Beverly, too, right? But I don't think we actually yes. knew each other yet then. We didn't. I remember we probably were like in the theater at the same time because I don't think they've shown it, no. that film a lot. And if it was the one in the past like decade, then it was you and I there at the same one. So uh, little did we know that we would become ultimate frenemies. <laughs> you son of a gun 
Anywho, uh, yeah, so martial arts movie news-wise, nothing new in particular. I got uh, an epic package of Eureka Films, which I ordered Mm -hmm. from the UK, made it here directly like in one week, which was awesome. No more going through eBay or any of these other retailers where I get sent a child's tutu costume instead. But And I already got my copy of Duel to the Death directly from Eureka, so thank you. I have an 88 Films one on the way. Uh, And then I totally, like a dum-dum, forgot to uh, get uh, Ewan Biao's On the Run. Oh, uh, which was as I right as soon as I ordered about 20 minutes later, I was like, damn it. So I ordered it through eBay and then it actually arrived just now. So oh, wow. I now I probably just jinked myself because I didn't open it. So probably all I know I'm going to open it. It's going to be a, Babe 2 Pig in the City or something. Or, or it's going to be a tutu put inside a DVD box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. But uh, either which way, I'm uh, planning an epic kung fu screening at my house next Saturday because uh, I'm going to have a couple of uh, the old school homies from high school uh, you know, take the hour and a half drive from my hometown to where I am now. So if you want to make it up, Home Slice, next Saturday, kung fu screening, Fresno, California area. I could be on the run to uh, oh, Fresno. Oh, snap! But yeah, otherwise... Uh, haven't really seen much martial arts movie news wise that I can recall off the top of my head. Uh, martial arts competition wise, as soon as we're done recording here, I'm going to jump onto YouTube and start watching Karate Combat because there's mm. a, a live event going on and it streams free on YouTube or karate.com. Epic. I'm loving those so far. Oh, and a friend of the podcast, Mr. Topher Grace, the other Wing Chun guy who is uh, I met through. Uh, Sifu Alex of uh, the Kung Fu Genius. He's actually attending it live because he lives in Florida. So he and his brother uh, are going to go watch it. I'm like, that's epic. So hopefully he can give us some insight uh, as to how that was afterwards. But I highly enjoy Karate Combat. It's getting better and better with each show. They're kind of slightly all, they're still finding their niche in the rules, uh, getting in the groove of things. But so far it's, it's, I hope they don't change too much from where they are now the only thing i would like just out of personal preference would be low kicks allowed but otherwise mm-hmm. i i like how it's still very karate based right now and they still have that requirement of you have to have a karate background i like the idea of in the future maybe doing style versus style fights where it's like distinctly like they're inviting maybe a muay thai champion over to fight under their rules that kind of thing like they used to do those in japan like they used to do yeah. uh kind of pretty much Kyokushin style fights where they'd bring over like a Thai guy and he'd be fighting Andy Hoog and Andy Hoog would be in his, you know, uh, karate gi and then the Thai guy would be in just Muay Thai attire and be bare knuckle but they couldn't punch the face because it was Kyokushin rules. So stuff like that would be cool. It's just, it's always cool to have more in the market than just, you know, straight up MMA, which I also yeah. highly enjoy. But it's just nice to see there be an avenue for uh, karatekas uh, and, you know, practitioners of those arts. Agreed. 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 So, uh, anything? Oh, yeah. So, let's see. What quotes do you have for me today, good sir? All right. Well, uh, the first one should be easy. Okay. Unlike last week where I flipped them around. Uh Uh-huh. Well, now, what do you think of my third leg? Oh, uh, Wait, that, is that the movie we're talking about today? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. It's such a good quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's so I was like, wait a minute. I know I just saw that. Uh, that would be the film we're going to be talking about today, uh, which we will get to here in a second. So I'm not even going to say it. So then what's the hard quote? The hard quote is, consider who we're dealing with here. Give a wolf a taste of your leg and he'll ask for your hand. No idea. But that is... Definitely an epic quote. So uh, what movie are we looking at? This movie would be The Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa or Kurosawa Akira. Uh, Kurosawa Akira-san. Mm, wow. Good. Amazing quote. Been way too long since I've watched it. I still can't, I can't believe I haven't picked that up on like the Criterion Edition yet. That's shame on me. Uh, and once again, as I've mentioned before, when I was younger, you know, and I think it's kind of normal As a younger man, I didn't really have the, maybe the patience or the aptitude or anything to quite fully embrace like long form classic black and white cinema. I loved, I was a huge fan of uh, like silent comedies as a kid or even like black and white comedies. But a lot of times those are like 20 minutes, right? You know, Mm -hmm. like, so even like, I loved the Three Stooges. I loved the Marx Brothers. I loved Buster Keaton. Like I had an abnormal obsession when I was a kid with uh, Groucho Marx and Charlie Chaplin and everybody, uh, Laurel and Hardy. But I guess I just didn't have 
even, you know, I remember watching with uh, my dad watching Humphrey Bogart movies occasionally, right? Yep. You know, he obviously had me watch uh, uh, The Maltese Falcon. I remember we specifically mm-hmm. watched, I think we had that on uh, VHS and then obviously Casablanca as well. And it's still appreciating those films, but kind of being like, okay, it's slow or this or that. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's there comes a point where those films just aren't, we're not ready for them or they're not speaking to us. But mm-hmm. then there's, there's a point in our lives where all of a sudden, if, if we're aware of these films and, you know, our parents like showing us these films at an earlier point in time, so we get a taste for what they're like, all of a sudden we, we become ready for them. But it's, yeah, you're hundred percent correct. And then once you get into action cinema and you're expecting like, whether you grew up on the eighties Stallone and Schwarzenegger ones, which is kind of the MTV era, almost of like editing and montages and awesomeness in your face. And then the fast mm-hmm. pace of Jackie Chan and classic Hong Kong cinema, you know, if anything that's slightly slower paced, you're, you're almost like, what, what's going on here? I, you know, it's not enough stimulation for me. But then as you get older and you mature, you can also understand that there may be a martial arts film that has almost no martial arts action in it, right? Or very short little bursts here and there. But now I have this newfound appreciation for, you know, even watching the Zatoichi films and stuff that are like the first yeah. one or two, the first one, there really isn't that much action in it, yet you're still captivated the entire time and it's still able to grab your attention and still a hundred percent of martial arts film and you start to appreciate things more like bushido and the martial code and you know the inner turmoil of uh, and character development of our protagonist sometimes or the anti-hero and that's why even a lot of kira kurosawa's ones now i need to go back and rewatch as a much more mature adult uh and give them a second or, you know, viewing, which it's just been too long. Uh, But yeah, fantastic quote. But yeah, so first quote was from the movie we are talking about today, the 1982 Hong Kong martial arts fantasy, slightly horror-centric extravaganza, The Miracle Fighters, starring... Well, I'll first say directed by the legendary Yuan Wu-Ping and featuring a plethora of the UN clan, as well as Mr. Brian Leung, a.k.a. Beardy, a.k.a. The Brigadier, as they said in the classic Top Fighter documentary. So this film is once again available on the Haya app. I saw a couple weeks ago they were going to be releasing it. Uh, and I thought, wow, this would be perfect to release on Halloween, which is on a Monday, and we're going to drop this episode on Halloween. And first of all, this film, it's interesting. So in the early 1980s, there was two films starring Brian Leung, a.k.a. Leung Karian, that had a fighter in it. And in my brain, I kind of just pushed them, mushed them together as one film. So there's Legend mm-hmm. of a Fighter, which is the... Uh, Fuck You and Gap, a.k.a. Ho Yun Jia film he did in the early 80s, the, you know, quote unquote, the real life martial arts, uh, real life martial artist from China, kind of folk hero. Once again, his story, you know, a lot of it is kind of apocryphal tales, but uh, there's been multiple films and he's supposed he was the master of Chen Zhen, the character that Bruce Lee played in Fist of Fury, which there's also been now numerous films. And once again, that character is definitely like a hundred percent made up aside from the name, which supposedly just took from a roster of, uh, the school that Ho Yan Jia helped, uh, found the Jing Wu school in Shanghai, which was a real school. And Ho Yan Jia was real, but a lot of the elements of his life have been fictionalized for the film, uh, for the, you know, cinematic universe, but I digress. So there was legend of a fighter and then there was miracle fighters. And I guess in my brain, I kind of just, had put them together as one film, really. So I eventually saw Legend of a Fighter. Coincidentally enough, it was streaming on Hulu like a decade ago when I was living in China and my VPN was working well one day. And so I remember watching that, loving it. And then it wasn't until really maybe a couple years ago that uh, the Miracle Fighters kind of popped up onto my radar because I finally was like, oh, wait, these are two separate films. And then I read about it. I was like, this movie sounds like <laughs> bat shit crazy yeah that that reference is going to come up later gavin gets it gavin's smiling but so then it was maybe even coincidentally enough like earlier in this year maybe last year i was i watched some clips of it and i'm like this looks insane you know mm-hmm. it's definitely one of those w- wacky 
kind of Hong Kong horror type movies. This one focuses more on uh, the kind of Taoist magical, like ancient Chinese uh, elements as opposed to horror. But there's definitely some kind of horror elements to it. But as Gavin's shaking his head, oh, yeah, Yeah, there are moments that are actually like what I love about these. And I don't want to take the steam away from where you were going, but there are moments in these Hong Kong horror, campy comedy uh, films, kung fu films, where you as an audience member are not jumping out of fright, but jumping out of like trying to get out out of the way of a sword, a snake, uh, a vampire. This is this has that in there. Yeah. So basically, we should go over the basic premise of the plot because it kind of jumps around in a sense. And it does have it's almost like the, the plot at the beginning of the movie is kind of becomes secondary to the rest of the film, almost in a sense. Really, it starts off. We have a uh, classic veteran Hong Kong actor, Eddie Ko, who plays like the number one kind of general, whatever, for the emperor. And he breaks uh, protocol by marrying a Han Chinese and then they want to persecute him for it. And in his attempt to escape, uh, he takes, uh, is it the, it's not the emperor. It would be the, uh, who's the prince, the prince. Oh, well, so yeah. So yeah. he, t- he kidnaps the prince, uh, like, and holds him hostage and he manages to escape, uh, the main like enforcer for the emperor, or whatever, who's going to be sorcerer bat, who's played by, <laughs> uh, Yuan Shen Yi, part of the UN clan. Uh, you will remember him as a baddie in all sorts of films, particularly yes. uh, in the line of duty for uh, drunken Tai Chi, but also his mm-hmm. like one big good guy role in the Buddhist fist, which is one of my all time favorites and early one I saw. So uh, he plays sorcerer bat, who is a master of like black magic and, you know, ancient Chinese uh Taoist secret arts and so forth. So Eddie Ko manages to escape with the prince, but accidentally kills him in the process. And then, you know, fast forward 20 years later and he randomly has a new young apprentice with him or whatever. Uh, And then he's tracked down finally by Sorcerer Bat and uh, the government. And in the process of that, Eddie Ko gets killed, but then they mistakenly think his new apprentice is the long lost prince and in an attempt to escape, the prince finds reclu- or refuge with two uh, sorcerers, like Taoist-style sorcerers, right? Like uh, magicians, for lack of a better term. Uh, an old man and an old woman who are uh, both... They have the same master whose picture's up on the wall, and it's actually Simon Yuan, you know, obviously the father of the Yuan clan who had by this point had passed. But anyways, one of them is played by uh, Brian Leung, and the other one is played by Yuan Wuping's brother, but he's playing a female, and that's uh, Yuan Chongyan, uh, who would become a great choreographer in his own right. Uh, for example, he did the Charlie's Angels movies later on in mm-hmm. Hollywood, but he also popped up as an actor all the time. He also was in uh, Drunken Tai Chi, where he plays kind of almost the same character that Brian Young's playing here. So, uh, and then pretty it's, much uh, once, oh, The Young Apprentice also, I should mention, is played by uh, Yat Chor Yun, another classic Yuan clan uh, brother, who you'll remember also from In the Line of Duty 4 and Drunken Tai Chi, you know, films like that. Mm. And so he pretty much becomes an apprentice of the two uh old masters, but more so uh, the bright and long character. And then there's this ongoing feud between Master Bad and them and et cetera, et cetera. So I know it kind of sounds convoluted, but once again, we watch these movies, not always for the plot, but more so the action on screen. But what we get in this film is some stellar, just straight up martial arts sequences, not as many of those though, but also a lot of extravagant, uh, fantastical kind of magic sequences. But what I like about them is it's almost exclusively done with all real effects. And it's, it's more so like traditional. Now, obviously the powers they have are like, you know, they have mystical powers, but most of the actual stuff they're doing on screen is done with classic sleight of hand tricks or, you know, real life magician style Mm -hmm. tricks. And obviously using some camera work, uh, you know, 
to accentuate things. But that's what's cool about these real effects and the ingenuity in the action sequences and how they bring to life a lot of this, you know, traditional Chinese sorcery. Uh, you know, so what one one thing that I was I was noticing with this film, and it's it's sort of like you're saying it's it's this fantastical stuff is so grounded, mm-hmm. and it's hard to like explain how crazy this film gets, but it isn't crazy from minute one, as you as you pointed out, it starts it starts almost like a traditional kung fu film. It's how the film progresses, and they introduce you to one crazy element after another and each one it's like uh it's sort of like that what's that analogy of the frog in uh cold water that you're slowly heating up the by the end of the movie the final 20 minutes of this film is absolutely insane uh there are aspects of of it that maybe we saw in encounters of a spooky kind or prisoner of the sun but it's it keeps it together yes uh but it keeps it together probably because of Yuan Wuping, or obviously because of Yuan Wuping, but also because the film has been progressively moving us closer to that point. So our unlike in Prisoners of the Sun, where Prince of the my Sun suspend Prisoner of the Sun? Wait, Prince of the Sun with Cynthia Rothrock? Prince or? of the Sun, yes, yeah. thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Not Prisoners of the you Sun. You said Prince, Prince first time, sun. and then I did? Yeah. Oh yeah, well, good for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have it written down here, Prisoner of the Sun. Oh. Uh, so, so, but uh, with Prince of the Sun, w- once we get to that final fantastical ending, it's like the floor drops out from underneath us because we weren't truly brought into that universe. Whereas this, it just walks us there. And there's just such really good, fun, funny, and great fight sequences leading up to that. And, and also some non-fight sequences that use great, like, Kung Fu esque timing, like even the even the uh, assassination attempts with the string and the and the poison coming down yeah. the string and, <laughs> and the guy snoring and pushing the the poison the, back up the poison back up and going back and forth and just watching it come down closer to his lips and then he as he inhales and as he exhales it pushes back up for for any of our uh, older listeners or people who were overseas and used to listen to old American radio. Uh, the couple, the older couple that uh-huh. we discuss, remind me a lot of the Bickersons, the old, the two older uh, couple that are training, that train our protagonists, uh, Yat Chor Yuan, uh, but also the snoring sequence for those who for those who listen to the Bickersons, it's just like John Bickerson snoring. He's like pulling the 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 poison closer to him, then pushing it back up. It's it, everything is really well timed, and I, it just. We had a master in, in charge of this film, and yes. it's such it's such a delight to watch this this film. And right off the gate, I'd say what my fear was was that it was going to be a la kind of like Zoo Warriors. Now I can yes. appreciate Zoo Warriors, but it was very ambitious for its time and had a lot of special effects and a ton of wire work, and it almost becomes like too much. There's not enough balance. This is not those same kind of effects. As I said, it's almost. Mm-hmm all classic like sleight of hand vaudeville type stuff and obviously because it's a movie they can do things with cuts and edits that wouldn't be possible in real life but there's no special effects being used it's all sleight of hand and camera tricks and obviously like you know our our Taoist master played by Brian Lung and I have to say it's a caricature you've seen in a lot of uh kung fu films he's kind of like you know the the smirky Taoist priest that like (laughs) you know always has you know he's kind of slightly hunched over and always combing his beard and has this smug attitude uh amongst it uh about him i have to say this is actually my favorite rendition of it and it's so cool to see brian lung in Mm -hmm. a role that is so different from everything else he played which he usually played very powerful strong protagonists or you know very uh evil antagonists and so at first when I'm watching, I'm like, huh, I knew Brian Long was in it. And, mm-hmm. but when he first comes out on the screen, I'm like, oh, I feel like I know that guy. Who is that? What actor is playing him? And then I finally put one and one together after like 10 seconds. I was like, oh my God, like you don't even recognize him. No, yeah, I, I'm completely in the same boat as you. And even as the film progressed, every now and then I would just do a double take because I wasn't used to seeing him in this role. And, and the same can be said for, Almost all of the lead characters, except for, I guess, uh, uh, Sorcerer Bat. But uh, everyone was 
cast uniquely. It wasn't oh, it what the I was not expecting the performances that I came away with, and I was not expecting those performances to be played by the actors who were portraying them. Right, and I, I would say that you know uh, Yuan Shen Yi as Sorcerer Bat. Once again, he plays a great evil character and it's kind of like a lot of his other ones. But here we get to see him be like, you know, an evil sorcerer. So uh, and there's a little bit of wire work done with him and in the finale, but kind of your standard more kung fu movie wire work than, say, like a really crazy wuxia picture or even mm-hmm. like zoo warriors. So it's 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 a it's a little more grounded in its extravagance, if that makes sense. It's kind of an oxymoron. But uh, yeah, but so kind of back to like the trickery and stuff they do. Like, for example, Brian Lung's character manages to make rain right he couldn't do that in real life duh and same thing like they can produce fire out of their hands which in real life you wouldn't be able to do but they do it with like obviously they have probably hidden lighters or whatever and so it's all done with real effects which is what makes it cool and they'll they have like dummy limbs in the fights that'll be fighting and suddenly they'll have like a third arm that pops up and starts punching the you know their character once again this is done all with like, uh, you know, it's once again, real effects. So it's either like, obviously they have another actor standing behind them punching out, you know, mm-hmm. you couldn't do that in real life, but they're using real effects, which makes it this fun, uh, element to the fight scenes. And then like, maybe, you know, the person they're fighting will grab that arm and then pull it out and suddenly it's fake. Like, huh? you know, it's, it, yeah. it, there's a lot of like dummy use, right? Like that, or, you know, they have hidden little compartments in their suits where they're able to do, uh, all, all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. So but the, it, just my main point is, and I keep driving this home, is how they do everything with real effects, which I love. And I've talked about this. I can appreciate amazing special effects, especially nowadays. But I am an old school fan of I like real uh, action on screen. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, it's funny because you you almost by the point by the point in time where we are anticipating uh, tricks coming. Like for me, I'm smiling. I'm watching. I'm like, I know there's a trick coming. Like the the seated fight where all of a sudden our protagonist's arms and legs are shorter, and then uh uh his legs will extend when he's kicking. Or that's you know that goes back to the quote. Well, now what do you think of my third leg? Yeah, <laughs> that's because it's Brian Lung's leg kicking through his his pants across uh the room to against a sorcerer bat. It's just you know there's a trick coming. You. You're trying to see it like when he's fighting with his shorter legs and shorter hands. It's like, okay, at one point, one of these has to extend. But the timing, the the execution, the way it's edited is just so well done that when it finally reveals itself with a with a fully extended fist or kick, it's 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 still a surprise. Yeah. And it's so well done. Like uh, it's really hard to describe. uh where, you know, he's he's fighting two people at once and then it's just one person, you know, as a training sequence. And then the one person he's fighting, he's actually fighting their legs and the head's on top of the feet. And then he flips the the shirt or the skirt the other way around and then the head's on the bottom and flips around. Yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> you gotta we can see talk it about this. You have to see to it. Get. Now, imagine this for viewers that obviously haven't seen this film. Now, imagine if... You took Big Trouble in Little China and you had like mm. Sorcerer Egg Chen versus David Lopan. Yes, they do the whole sequence where they shoot their lasers out. But imagine if they had a hand-to-hand fight sequence where they're doing like Kung Fu and throwing out their magic as they do it, right? Like it would be something more like that that we didn't get in that film, which, you know, I love Big Trouble in Little China. But they couldn't have pulled off the same type of fight scenes because a they wouldn't have had the choreography capabilities b the performers mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to do it because of the essentialness of the timing and the rhythm and the hong kong choreography and these performers all being stellar martial artists yes brian lung was not a lifelong martial artist but was one of those natural uh guys that just popped up on the screen of, of a rarity in the sense that he didn't have a martial arts background and became one of the best martial arts performers but that's how they're able to pull this off you know the the perfect crackerjack timing as they say in big trouble in little china uh where they they just have the rhythm pop it pop it pop it pop and then the magic gets thrown in and then it's just there's 
they're taking that same uniqueness of Hong Kong choreography and editing and pacing and timing and creativity within the choreography. And they're just throwing in like black magic, if you will, as they do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just couldn't see that being done in anything else. Like, so the best comparison would be like Big Trouble in Little China, where they do some like magical type things, a little more fantastical in a sense, but there's no way they could have done this other cool, intricate things like Egg Chen growing a third arm and start like, you know, Kung Fu fighting with that third arm only to find out it's a dummy arm. And then another arm pops out, you know, they, they just wouldn't have had, they would have had the, uh, effects team to be able to do it. Like think of a kind of a more grounded thing, like, uh, you know, a, uh, oh, damn it. Uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, Evil Dead. Yes, yes. Like, so it's like that kind of effects, right? So like uh, Sam Raimi, like real uh, horror effects. And that's kind of what we're doing here. Same sort of thing. I mean, there's, I, I mean, that you, that's, uh, you hit the nail on the head there, particularly uh, the the third installation of the Evil Dead series. And I'm blanking on the title right now, but you- The one where he goes back in time. And I'm also- uh, it's not, uh, not army army no. uh, army of darkness army of darkness there we go yes i mean there's a sequence where a key falls into a vat of acid and a hand goes in and pulls out the key and you know the hand is turned into a skeleton and then our protagonist says good thing that wasn't my real hand and then you see his hand is holding the skeletal hand it's just there's just uh there's a lot of fun in this film and but the, it's it again really comes down to just excellent, excellent timing, editing, choreography, yeah. and performance. And I was surprised that we actually had the bits of like real kung fu fighting we have in it. There's like you know three or four actual just normal fight scenes. They're not yep. as long, but it's like oh, like that's pretty much Eddie Ko because Eddie Ko is not a sorcerer or anything. He's just uh, a great warrior. And, you know, his fight sequences are much more your standard kung fu fare. Uh, and once again, it's kind of a treat because this would have, if anything, been a l- pretty later on for Golden Harvest to be doing a traditional kung fu type feature because yes. it's 1982. By that point, this maybe was one of the last ones they had even done that featured traditional kung fu. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think because really... For Golden Harvest before this, Young Master was 1980. Dragon Lord was like maybe 81, 82, so around this exact same time. Mm-hmm. So this would have been kind of the end of them doing traditional kung fu uh, films. Yes, Shaw Brothers still would for another few years till about 85. But uh, it's kind of cool that we get to see that. And obviously, Sammo, you know, would do uh, other films within like the juncture genre. And, you know, Mr. Vampire, w- those films, you know, would have similar yeah. elements. But... Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I say I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. When we were talking about doing something spooky, I was thinking, OK, Encounter of a Spooky Kind, it's kind of standard, uh, easy an easy pick. And then I was thinking I was hoping, well, maybe what if we did a let's talk about Mr. Vampire one and two. And I'm really happy you picked this one. I'm really happy this one was available uh, on the high on the high app for us to watch because I had not seen it. Yeah. And no, neither this, did I. And that, that's a- this. Yeah. This brought back the fun that I had on the first viewings of uh, Mr. Vampire one and two. This was just so much fun. Yes. And I, I am curious how they're getting the rights to these films and obviously they're doing an amazing job. Uh, so if you guys are listening at the high app, you know, you can reach out to me and let me know, let me know your secrets. How are you doing it? But, uh, no, I, I just appreciate it. And I appreciate that they're making these films easily accessible to us and a whole new audience as well. And that's why, once again, if you don't have this app, go and download it because it's so reasonably priced for what you get. And they're, every month they add new features and there's just a lot of classics on there. Uh, but is there, is there any elements of the film that we haven't really addressed yet? Uh, we've talked about most of the main cast. I guess uh, the finale is, is kind of cool. So pretty much uh, our, our young protagonist played by uh, Yat Choi Yuen, uh, goes to compete in uh like the the magic championships what do they call it again it's oh i, I don't know i know it's it's pretty much like the the it's like a tournament they do every 10 years for all the yeah. you know uh sorcerers to compete and whoever like wins is the champion and uh so he goes to compete in the wish of his masters and uh so it's all these different like uh experts in like chinese uh uh 
or you know, the funny part is the Chinese title in Mandarin is Qi Men Duan Jia, which translates directly as ancient Chinese divination tradition. So like traditional Chinese magic arts, pretty much. So it's this mm-hmm. tournament of like all these different, there's like 20 of them, like experts, a lot of them suck, but you know, and they have to compete through these <laughs> yeah. series of obstacles. They're not like directly fighting each other, even though they end up having to. So they have to go pretty mm-hmm. much through these series of obstacles using their magic capabilities to get to the next step. And then yeah. in the end, it comes down to just our protagonist. He's the last one left uh, fighting a mysterious uh, competitor who we think dies and at the last second pops up and he's not dead. And who is it? It ends up it's actually uh, Sorcerer Bat who snuck his way in and cheated. And then the final showdown is between the two of them. And this is where we get uh, a lot of great physicality also. Mm-hmm. And the the crazy part is it's probably the best martial arts performance of Yat Choi Yuen as well. He does some phenomenal kicking. Now, he's, he's always had a really good sidekick. You see that in a lot of his movies. Even in, in The Line of Duty 4, he throws a lot of great sidekicks. Mm-hmm. But in this one, we get to see him do a lot more what I would call like Taekwondo style kicking. He does some great jump spinning wheel kicks and hook kicks. And then, as I mentioned, the side kicks and roundhouse kicks, much more of that Taekwondo style. Like in some of his other movies, he has a little bit more of a traditional like Kung Fu looking kicking style. But in this one, I feel like I'm not sure possibly maybe he was he trained with someone else. I don't know. But he just brings a different element than he usually does. And he does some phenomenal kicking in the finale. It, it, it's so the finale is so much fun. It's 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 a phenomenal payoff. The final twenty minutes of the of the film, the final act, it uh, it's just it's fun, great pace, and that's also where some horror aspects come out. Like I don't know what's going on with those snakes. Those look <laughs> like real snakes to me, and there are some sequences that the actors do with these snakes that. Uh, that that invoke actual fear now and yet we have to remember a lot of times with these films back then there would also outside of snakes outside of this movie there'd be a lot of animal cruelty where you're like oh wow how'd they fake that well newsflash they didn't didn't. uh so (laughs) in this case it could have been one of those things where probably some stuntmen legitimately got bit by snakes now maybe they obviously (laughs) were defanged or whatever or but yeah you can't fake some of that and nor would they right like you know, it's like, hey, you're a Hong Kong stuntman. You know, this is what you do. Get in Come there on. and wrestle yeah. this pile of snakes. <laughs> wow. Wrestle. Yeah. Wrestle the pile of snakes or uh, you're going to fall to the ground in in this in the splits. And a cobra is going to be waiting for you right between your legs, staring at you full flare. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're going to shoot that scene, but we're going to shoot it tomorrow. Yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. I. I uh, Obviously, that's part of uh, the obstacles at the end. And so once again, it's just for for someone like me, and I've talked about this in the past, I'm much more into solid grounded Kung Fu action. I've actually have grown more of an appreciation as I've gotten older, not just for the more stoic films and performances that we were talking about before, but also the more fantastical ones, as weird as that is. I just I guess I have uh, a new appreciation for the creativity that goes into those. But uh so we we get a lot of that in this film, right? We get some just really yeah. cool sequences where obviously you have to, you know, leave you have to leave all realistic expectations at the door because in this film people can perform magic. They have mystical abilities that you know they can jump and fly through the air and defy gravity and stuff like that. Uh, but it's just done at the right amount of still giving us that sense of realism. Like we believe by the end, you believe in their capabilities, like everything they're doing, especially because it's not just like, for example, Egg Shun in Big Trouble in Little China, like and shooting lasers out. Like we get them doing like these intricate Kung Fu movements before. like, And then then the flame pops out, right? Like. You know, it's it's a little performance they give, like they're channeling their inner chi before they perform their magic. And, you know, the classic like. <laughs> and for for people that know Kung Fu movies, you probably know what I was doing with like my hand and my actions there. But it, it just adds to that element. It's not just like, look, flames out of my hand. It's flame out of my hand. You know, we get yeah. <laughs> we get that cool Hong Kong flair and style, right? Uh, brought yes. to it. It's it's 
It's a lot of fun. That's that's all. My, and and it's a lot of fun and it's coherent. Yes, coherent. It's fun, fun and coherent. It's grounded, very grounded in the beginning, and then slowly elements of crazy pop in, and you're like, okay, what's going on? But you you, you ride with it, and it just uh, it it just works uh, through the whole film. If if you were to rank this amongst the supernatural Hong Kong horror films, I think it'd be hard to say where it falls because I. I think there's some true classics, but this is right up there with it. But at the same, it's it's probably the most coherent of so many of them. Agreed, because what it does is it avoids the tr- uh, the trappings of some of the other ones uh, that are kind of almost very culturally specific, like even of the juncture genre, the hopping mm-hmm. vampire zombie genre. We get a lot of kind mm-hmm. of grotesque humor sometimes, over the mm-hmm. top humor, like just real kind of slapstickish. We don't mm-hmm. really necessarily, we get some of that in the bickering between the old master uh, and then the old yeah. uh, woman. That's literally what they call the old man and the old woman. They have a lot of goofy bickering type, you know, kind of more of a caricature type thing. But aside from that, it's not too much slapstickish. Uh, it's, no. you know, the magic and action just creates comedy within. And so actually for me, I think it ranks pretty high up because... Yeah it avoids some of the gags that a lot of these other films do that, you know, almost make you roll your eyes like, okay, or they, they, they play out way too long. Like, all right, let's move on to the next scene. This one, go ahead. It actually doesn't get sidetracked by the side stories and anything that is like a slight, uh, detour actually turns out to be, uh, character development or or uh showing that a character could do like the old man going to create rain that whole scene we actually end up getting a good fight sequence a mini short fight sequence but you know it, it might have nothing to do with the rest of the film except uh the the spirit that he calls upon in that scene his his apprentice calls upon at the end of the film so it actually it actually everything ties together and works there are no side stories that don't actually lead anywhere yeah. No, it's uh, the, the film and the pacing's really good because it's actually not a short film. But I remember when I, I paused, I had to break it up into two viewings and we're pausing it and being like, oh, wow, it's already this far into it. Yet there's still another 40 minutes. I didn't feel I wasn't yeah. like, oh, when's this movie going to end? It was it's just got a good flow to it. You know, it. It, nothing's too drawn out. Nothing uh, makes you, as I said, roll your eyes, which you get in a lot of Hong Kong films. Even the best ones we love will have like elements of, even if it's one you've watched a million times, you kind of know sometimes I'm going to fast forward through this part or, you know, sometimes with a lot of, <laughs> well, the Japanese ones I watch, it's like, oh, I'm going to fast forward through this part because it's, you know, gratuitous nudity that's unneeded. But <laughs> yeah. it's sometimes in like the Hong Kong ones, it's like, oh God, it's a gag that goes on for 10 minutes. I'm going to fast forward through it. Uh, not because I, I just it, have to watch action, but just more so I'm like, all right, I don't have the patience for this it's, right now. Let's put it this way. It's fun to watch Samo use two bread buns to make his shirt dance a couple times. But after seeing it a couple times, you usually skip that scene <laughs> or, you know, go go to the kitchen and grab grab a, a refill of chips and dip. And then you come back and you get to the, with the rest of the film. This and if it's at Gavin's house, sequences. you're getting good chips and dip or snack and dip. It's going to be something from Trader Joe's. It's going to be high quality hummus. Hummus. He always has great hummus in his fridge and he always has great snacks because I always raid his snack uh, well, closet. I, I owe you because there was one time I, I went over to AJ's house after work and I think we were putting on in a line of duty four or magic, uh, not magic crystal, but magic uh, crystal something. Crystal hunt. Crystal hunt. There crystal, we go. Crystal yeah. hunt. I was so hungry and you put out guacamole and i think i almost devoured the whole thing and i'm like i can't stop but i'm hungry i remember you coming over crystal hunt but i don't remember that but i'm glad well, you, you don't you probably didn't try any of it yeah you didn't even know it was there you just like inhaled it but uh anytime <laughs> my friend because i've i've more than eaten my fair share of snacks at your house once again granola gavin not only always has granola he always has multiple types of granola of course, we've also made the mistake of, you know, going out in the evening and <laughs> having a, like great food and drink and then coming home and decide, you know what we need more of? Great food, food. and drink. <laughs> hey, you've got popcorn? Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's make some popcorn. We, we've definitely ate till we were sick, but yes. But uh, how, how would you rate this film? Like oh, on a, good, on good a, question. So on a... Uh, 
On a grading scale, I want to give this one, just because it is definitely very genre specific, you know, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this to a casual fan or someone that's never watched like kung fu movies in general. You definitely have to be a fan of the genre. That being said, it's an excellent, well-made movie. So uh, I am going to, mm, oh, tough, flowing between B and B plus. You know what? I'm going to give it a B plus. There there you go. I, I, there's... Within the within the sub sub genre of this film, I would almost want to inch towards that A and and go from the B plus to the A minus. But for the specific reasons you pointed out as well, I'm landing right on that B plus. Yeah, I think that's a, a good grade for it. And I think if you're a fan of the genre, even if you're not typically a fan of the horror fantasy type films, give this one a go. Because once again, I too. You know, I can appreciate a lot of these films, and uh, mm-hmm. I actually have the whole Mr. Vampire series on DVD. I bought it in Hong Kong three years ago and haven't even had the chance to watch it because for the longest time wow. I didn't have a region-free player. But I need to go back and watch that I whole lo- series. I, lo- I love I love part one. I love part two. The ending of part two kind of kind of starts to, to crumble a little bit. Yeah. But, man, this, this, this film doesn't crumble. It, it, and that's the way the cookie doesn't crumble. But uh, yeah, no, uh, but so yeah, even if you're not necessarily a fan of the genre, but if you are a fan of classic Hong Kong cinema, you have to watch this one. You'll definitely yes. get a kick out of it. You'll see some great performances. The UN clan is always amazing, both uh, behind the camera and in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And yes, obviously, as we mentioned before, with Yuan uh, Chung Yan playing the old woman, that gag is definitely uh, kind of a, a Chinese, but no, they do it in American comedy too. I mean, like look at... Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, John Waters has done that for years, right? With, you know, males playing female roles. Uh, and so, but in this case, it's definitely, at least they have a woman dubbing the voice in the English dub, not a yes. man doing a female voice. Like sometimes when a character obviously is in drag in a classic Kung Fu movie and not playing a woman the whole time, it'll be the same male actor doing the stereotypical female voice. But here mm-hmm. we, we get an actual like woman dubbing it. So uh, at least I think we do. And so that makes it a lot more bearable than did, if... Did you like the voice? Is that what you're telling us? Don't tell anybody my secrets, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> right, but no, it just, it makes it bearable, right? But yeah, it yeah, is no, it obviously... Does, it's yeah. actually a really nice dub job. And what I like about this dub job is uh, when it's the fights, it's the original sound. Oh, of course. Yeah. Because this is... It's this, great. This is a classic dub. And by classic Absolutely. dub, we mean the original, original English dub they did. So... Yeah. You can't beat the classic dubs. Uh, so Fortune Star, as we have mentioned, Fortune Star is the company that bought uh, the rights to all the Golden Harvest movies in the like mid nineties. It, it the the parent company is Fortune something else. Fortune Star was like their video uh, section, but uh, they decided I don't know why they decided to redub like all of these movies in the early two thousands when they released them on mm-hmm. DVD. I'm not sure if it was a rights thing or maybe they didn't have the uh, probably what it was is maybe they just didn't want to bother remastering the, the English audio because they were, I, you know, I don't know. I honestly don't know what made them do it. Cause you'd think it'd be cheaper for them to not do it, but who knows either which way with a lot of the, most of these new releases we're getting, we're getting, it even says like on all of the Eureka ones, it'll say classic mm-hmm. English dub. And that's awesome. I think of, I've now bought like tw- almost 20 of them, uh, and I mean, like 15, but only I'm trying to think if there's maybe one or two where it was that newer dub on there randomly. I think one of the Lucky Stars movies that they mm-hmm. uh, released, uh, I want to say it's My Lucky Stars had the early 2000s Fortune Star dub instead of the classic okay. one. But Winners and Sinners and Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars had the classic one. So I was like, all right, cool. That's that's fantastic. You I, know, I, I, you, I mean, you, uh, you, you got to be grateful. It's for so much fun get. to listen to those original dubs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's and uh, as I was mentioning to you, as I'm watching Project A, our trio of the three dragons, Jackie, Samuel and Yuen Biao, they have the exact same dubbed voices from Wheels on Meals. So it's a lot of fun. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's another thing that made me appreciate it. So uh, I'm looking forward to finishing that up later tonight, maybe. Let me know how it pans out for you. Oh, I will. I will let you know how it pans out. So any closing thoughts? Uh, this the fun film. I'm really glad you picked it. Really glad we had access to it. Yeah, definitely and went outside of uh, 
my library of viewing. And so anybody that's uh, listening to this on Monday, when we release it, maybe you're listening on your way to work or, uh, you know, on, on your way home and maybe you don't have any plans for Halloween night. Maybe you're going to go home and just chill on Mondays. This is a perfect Halloween viewing. The Miracle Fighters available on the Haya app. Uh, and yeah, so on that note, uh, we'll definitely be recording next weekend. We haven't decided what yet, but, uh, we'll, maybe we'll, we'll mix it up. We'll, we'll pull something from, uh, just, you know, our collection, our personal collection of films. We've almost done exclusively from the high app just cause there's been so much great stuff on there, but, uh, yeah. And then we'll be talking this week. We'll pick something and we will see you all next week. Once again, thank you for your continued support. And remember, we are now available on Apple podcasts. Spotify. Uh, I drew a blank there. Let's start again. <laughs> Apple Radio. Podcasts, Spotify, <laughs> SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. I was waiting until the end for iHeartRadio. I couldn't remember. Uh, I was about to say Pandora, and I was like, wait, no, that's okay. not right. <laughs> so sorry about that, folks. But yeah, uh, we're available on multiple platforms now. And please remember to download, subscribe, and tell your friends about us. Please, uh, we love doing this and we just want to get it out there to more people. And once again, reach out to us. Probably uh, also going to be some changes with our social media handles this week. And so anybody that follows us will see that. And yeah, hopefully that will give us some more exposure to people and we'll be more easily accessible. And yeah, so we can just start doing things like more, you know, uh, AMAs or even suggestions for themed mm-hmm. episodes. So on that note... I bid you adieu, good sir. Oh, we didn't do Language Corner this week. Hit me with it. Oh, damn. Uh, do you want me to hit you? No. Uh, well, shoot. I'd even... That's my fault, because this is a Chinese film. Uh, so what... Uh, what would be a good one in... Like, related to What's the movie? Taoist. Something Taoist. Dao Jiao is uh, Taoism. Dao Jiao. Yeah. Dao Jiao. Both the final uh, tone, Dao Jiao, literally just means Taoism. Dao so that's a, that's a good one for today. That'll be our okay. word. Luckily, I knew it off the top of my head. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Dao Chao is uh, Taoism. Excellent. Yeah, quite. Dao Chao. Dao Chao. Dao Chao. There you go. Perfect. Right on. Right on, my man. Okay. So good. We got Language Corner in there too. Uh, that was my fault next <laughs> okay. time. We'll prepare a little bit more for that. Anywho, my friend, this has been fun. This has been great. Check out the Miracle Absolutely. Fighters on the Haya app. And I will see you next week. Take care. Adios, good sir.